chapter 20. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. For the people of God. Amen. Good morning and welcome. It is a beautiful day outside. We want to welcome you into the sanctuary, though, because God is here. He is with us. Whether you're worshiping here or whether you are worshiping at home uh, and you're joining us by technology, God is with you. And it is indeed a blessing to be able to gather together as family, family of faith. I'm honored that I get to serve this congregation alongside Pastor Andy here, the way Woodstock, and um, I want you to know that you're welcome here, and um, we're glad you're here. Uh, we are a community that is dedicated to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Today's message is the last message in the series, Pen, based on Sean Gladding's book entitled, Ten Words of Life for an Addicted, Compulsive, Cynical, Divided, and Worn-Out Culture. I don't know about you, but when we started this series, I thought I did a pretty good job of keeping God's commandments. And um, definitely not perfect, I know that, but I thought I did a pretty good job. And on a surface level, I probably do. But God doesn't want any of us to stay on a surface level with our faith. He wants us to go deep. He wants us to look deeply at our way of life. 
and he wants us to look deeply at what might influence us like those that came before us to follow those ways of the culture rather than his ways. God wants us to be able to see clearly how we, and not only how, but also where we've allowed other things to come between us and our relationship with him. And as I thought about looking deeply, as we certainly have done these past few weeks, I couldn't help but think about Psalm 42. It is a psalm where the psalmist expresses all the troubles he has endured in his exile. He laments that he's far away from the temple of God, and he expresses his desire for the renewal of the divine presence. It begins with these words. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. God has planted within each of our hearts a a deep longing. And it is a longing that nothing in this world can satisfy. It's a longing for a relationship with the living God. Yet we so often try to fill that, that longing with things of this world, like we learned from Pastor Andy's message last week on from idolatry to worship. The psalmist continues, though, with these words. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? The psalmist is grieving his losses, the losses that he's experienced after being taken into slavery. Things are not good in his circumstances, and he is pouring out his heart to God. Have you ever been in that place where you pour out your heart to God? The psalmist continues, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Did you catch that turn? There was a quick turn there. Even while in the midst of expressing his pain and his heartache, he knows where to turn. He knows what to do. He will put his hope in God and even praise him in the midst of the pain. So even while his heart is aching, he turns back to God and he turns back with not just prayers, but he turns back with praise. And then we hear him call out these words. Deep calls unto deep in the roar of your waterfalls. 
All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Even as the psalmist expresses his feelings of abandonment, something deep within him calls him back to God as he continues with these words. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Even as the psalmist expresses all those feelings of being lost and forgotten, he turns back to God. Deep calls to deep. The Spirit of God is reaching deep into the spirit of the psalmist, just as it reaches into our spirits, calling us into God's presence to experience the deep things of God, his wisdom, his righteousness, his sanctification, and his redemption. So what have we learned so far in this series? The first thing I think we've learned was that God has a deep desire To create a people who will represent him to this world. A people who care for every single human being in this world. Who recognize each other as the children that God has created. A people who demonstrate God's holiness, his justice, and his love. I also think that we've learned that God's words of life... Show us the kind of life that God wants for us to live in order that we may honor God, honor ourselves, and honor our neighbors. And then I also think we've learned that we human beings are definitely an imperfect people, then as well as now. There's something within all of us, our flesh or sin nature, that causes us to lean toward self-centeredness. Our self-centeredness often causes us to neglect others. On our own, we allow the world to influence us, sometimes without even realizing it. So, we come to today's word, the first word. Please join me as you hear the word of God from Exodus 20, Verses 1 to 2, the word of God. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear most gracious God, we thank you for your word. Your word that guides us and directs us in the way that you would have us go. Lord, speak to our hearts and our minds today to help us see where you have led us from and where you are leading us to. And so, Lord, we uh, we give you this time and we ask that you speak to us, Lord. 
And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know if you realized it or not, but last week in the message from idolatry to worship, the two commandments that we usually think of as the first and second commandments were combined. The first one was, you shall have no other gods before me. And the second one was, you shall not make idols. Those are the two things that we normally think of as the first and second commandments. Yet what we're looking at today as the first word was indeed the very first thing that God said to the people as he gave them these words of life. And he begins with a reminder. He begins with the word, the words, I am. Now you might remember hearing that before. And if you think back, it was back in the beginning of Exodus in chapter 3, verses 13 to 14, where Moses is interacting with God and God is calling him to go and lead his people out of slavery. And Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God replies to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So God begins with these words of life by reminding the people, I am. But he continues and he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God reminds the people that he delivered them from physical slavery in Egypt. Now he has given them the words that will deliver them from spiritual slavery. These are not words, even though some of them start with, thou shalt not, they're not words about not doing something. These are words that will lead people to a completely different way of living. These are words that will lead us to a completely new way of living. But we have to be able to see clearly where we're still in bondage in order to be led to freedom. And we have to realize that these words are a reminder for us as well as they were a a reminder to the Israelites. We need God first to open our eyes to where we're still in bondage, and then we need to allow God to lead us out of that bondage. This is not about us trying to change ourselves. You know, so many times we we realize, oh, I shouldn't do this, so I'll try harder to do something else. But this is not about us trying harder. This is about us joining with God. And saying, I want to walk with you. This is about us submitting whatever it is to him and saying, Lord, help me with this. It's about us joining God. It's about us being honest with ourselves about who has the ability to change our lives. We don't. He does. I'm reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul from Romans seven fifteen to 20, where he says these words. I do not understand what I do. Anybody felt that before? 
I don't understand why I'm doing this. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good because it points me in the right direction, right? As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin still living within me that does it. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the guy who met the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. This is the one who was persecuting the early church, but when he met the living Christ, his life totally changed. No longer did he persecute those early Christians. His life turned, and he started living a new way. Yet here he is, even in the midst of going and leading others to Jesus, Here he is admitting that sometimes he does things he doesn't want to do as he seeks to follow Jesus. Did any of you identify with him as we progressed through this series? Were there things that you came to realize that you still do that you wish you didn't do? I know I did. There were things that were brought to my awareness. That's the Holy Spirit. Paul continues in verses 21 to 24, though, and he says these words. So I find this work, this law at work, although I want to do what is good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. He wants to do what God has called him to do. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, And making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Paul's acknowledging that on his own, he is unable to overthrow the power of sin in his life. But he continues with these words. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Those of us who believe in Jesus are sinners saved by grace. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. But we can be delivered. We have been delivered. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God has already delivered us out of Egypt. We just have to join with him to get Egypt out of us. Amen. We often forget that the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, is a continuous story. We tend to separate it into the Old Testament and the New Testament and we we don't we we forget that it's one continuous story from the beginning to the end okay the all of the bible 
reveals the love of God in his and for his creation. In the Old Testament, we learn of creation, provision, judgment, deliverance, God's covenants, and his promises. We also learn about humankind and our proclivity toward rebellion, estrangement, and perversion. But we also see the gracious work of God to redeem, forgive, and reconcile himself to us. The Old Testament is a story, and it's the story about a disaster and a planned rescue mission. It always points us forward. It is only half of the story. The second half of the story, the New Testament, is about the rescue. 1 Peter 1.21 ties the Old Testament to the New Testament with these words. He, Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God. In his son, Jesus, God personally took on the human condition and entered into this disorganized mess that we've created in order to set it right once and for all. The law of the Old Testament could not ever heal sin. But it does help us to see sin clearly. Jesus came to fulfill the law by leading a perfect life that sinful man was incapable of. Jesus then gave himself up for us, taking our sin upon himself as he was crucified. When God raised Jesus from death, the bonds of sin and death were finally and decisively broken. When we ask Jesus to come into our lives to be our Lord and our Savior, we are delivered from sin and death. We have been delivered from sin and death. His righteousness covers us. When God looks at us, he no longer sees our sin. He sees the the righteousness of Christ. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead now can give us new life. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we become able to do what Jesus told us to do, which is to love God and to love our neighbors. We now have the power to keep the ten words as we focus and keep our focus on the love of God shown to us in the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Together with God, joining with him, God the Holy Spirit, we can get Egypt, the worldly, self-centered way of living, out of us. Jesus began his ministry with these words from Mark 1.15. The the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And in the book of Matthew, it's worded a little bit differently. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. We are being issued an invitation here. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. 
Dallas Willard states it this way in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. This is a call for us to reconsider how we have been approaching our life in light of the fact that we now, in the presence of Jesus, have the option of living within the surrounding movement of God's purposes, eternal purposes, of taking our life into his life. I'm going to say that again. This is a call for us to reconsider how we have been approaching our life in light of the fact that we now, in the presence of Jesus, have the option of living within the surrounding movements of God's eternal purposes of taking our life into his. And I would include in taking his life into us. The hope of the, uh, the Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, we are being invited into making a pilgrimage into the heart and the life of God. Here, now, active. Is God still at work in our, in our world? Yes, God is still at work in our world. He's inviting us to join with him. And to walk with him and to allow his life to be expressed through us. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God still wants to free us from all that binds us. He wants us to be able to welcome others into his kingdom. God is the only one who can change our hearts and our minds. God is the only one who can bring us freedom as we join with him as part of the community of faith. I recall the words Jesus used to proclaim his role in kingdom living from Isaiah 61. And I wonder, I just wonder if God is maybe inviting each of us to join with Jesus as we live out our calling to live in his kingdom now. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Is God asking us to join with Jesus in proclaiming good news to the poor? Can he send us to help bind up the, the wounds, to, to bind up the brokenhearted? Can he send us to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness from the, for the prisoners? With God's spirit living in us, we can share the good news of the freedom that Jesus provides. And we can walk with him every day of our life through every circumstance that comes through us, to us. We can actually be part of God's healing in our world. Deep, calling unto deep. The deep things of God made possible to us through Jesus Christ. His wisdom, his righteousness, his sanctification, and his redemption. God's story is not complete yet. We all have been called to play a part in God's story. 
Can you think of a more exciting, fulfilling way to live than participating in the ongoing kingdom of God, the life of God, his kingdom here on earth? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Let us pray. Dear most gracious God, we thank you that you have issued us an invitation. An invitation to step into playing a bit part in your grand story. The story of redeeming those that are lost. Finding that lost coin, finding that lost sheep. Bringing healing. Showing your love to others. We thank you and we stand in awe, Lord, that you would call us. That you would call us. But you have. So, Lord, um, continue to lead God and direct us as we step into your call for our life. Help us to know where to go and what to say and who to reach out to. That your kingdom will come and that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. And all God's people said, Amen.